In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please, friends. Grace and peace to all of you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Father Richard, and I serve at uh, Christ Church Cathedral. I serve at St. Augustine's at Vanderbilt, and I'm also the chaplain to the Episcopal School of Nashville. So I've kind of got three, three gigs, if you will, going at any given time. Thanks to Reverend Serena for inviting me here this morning. I really appreciate it. And I actually have fond memories of this congregation going back almost 30 years. Uh, in the mid-1990s, I was a Mennonite pastor. I was a Mennonite uh, pastor for 10 years before I became a priest. And whenever I'd have a Sunday off, our congregation was over in Antioch, whenever I'd have a Sunday off, I'd gather up my family and we came here. And uh, just for the music and for the liturgy, by that time I had gotten bitten by the liturgy bug and uh, boy, this is a great place to, to kind of get to know the Episcopal liturgy. So this is sort of like coming home for me. And I've been here a couple times over the past couple months doing the, uh, the midweek liturgy, and uh, what a blessing that's been. But uh, it's good to see you all this morning. You know, uh, speaking of gigs, maybe it's the musician in me, but I keep hearing this phrase, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, over and over again, the, the, the rhythm of those words, it's like a pulse uh, through today's reading. It's like a heartbeat, like thump, 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 thump. So that, that also works in the original language, common Greek, in which this letter was written. The, the, it's, a, it's a single two-syllable two word which is translated in English by faith, but it, it, it's piste, piste, piste. You can hear that, that rhythm, that, 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 that movement in there. By faith our ancestors received, by faith we understand, by faith Abraham obeyed, by faith Abraham stayed, by faith he received. There's a real rhythm to it, like, almost like the rhythm of our, our own hearts that keeps us alive. Now, Paul the Apostle is traditionally thought of as the, as the author of this book, Hebrews, but the, the truth is we don't really know who wrote this letter. But what we can tell from reading this book and hearing its concerns is that it was written to people who were on the verge of giving up, who are preparing to leave the church and who may be leaving the faith altogether. It is written to people who have made sacrifices for their faith and who have endured suffering. But now those people are growing weary. It was hard enough in the short term, and, and they're having difficulty looking ahead and, and, and preparing themselves, getting themselves ready for the long haul. They can see only what is right in front of them, and it looks like too much. So Hebrews is, is really the, it's the sermon of a preacher who who is speaking to people who are thinking about heading out the door. Now, we have to remember 
This book was written about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. In the mid-60s is the best guess there. What was going on in the first century in the mid-60s? Persecution, lots of persecution. Nero was emperor. And if you recall, Nero blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome. Nobody really knows what happened there, but it was Nero who put the fault on the Christians and they were persecuted. This was a difficult time to be part of the Jesus movement. But the preacher's message in this book of Hebrews is don't give up, have faith, trust, hang on. Jesus Christ is the one in whom we can place our faith because Jesus Christ is faithful. You Hebrews who are reading this letter, you have not seen the future, but Jesus knows the future. Have faith in him because he is the faithful one. It's something I've heard my whole Christian life. You gotta have faith, right? Have you heard this? You gotta have faith. So this writer's by faith, uh, it's, like, it's like a drum kit or something. It's just, you know, this by faith, by faith. I, I just keep coming back to that heartbeat rhythm, that, that pulse that, that, that we need to keep moving, we need to keep walking, we need to keep uh, following close behind Jesus' feet. Maybe it's, maybe it's like the fitness instructor down at the YMCA. You know who I'm talking about? That that person who, who you love to hate, uh, who says, come on, you can do one more push-up, you can do one more rep. By faith, by faith, by faith. Actually, you know, thinking of faith as uh, analogous to exercise might, might be helpful. Uh, faith, is, faith is a complicated phenomenon. It, it, it is about... Belief, yes. Believing certain truths about God, about who Jesus is, about the church, about forgiveness, about salvation. It's all those things, faith is. That's a starting point. But faith does not stop there. Faith, just like getting into shape, down to why, takes commitment, it takes practice as well. It, it matters that we show up. It matters that we keep giving it yet another try and another try. It matters that we keep at it, even if our efforts seem like small gestures, and, and all we experience in the, in the short term, at least, is, is how tired we are. The writer of Hebrews tells us, now, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That feels, to me, that feels almost like a definition. Like if you looked up faith in the, in the dictionary, you would see that. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Sort of like 
uh, confirmation class. You know, what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Okay, you get an A. Um, page 845 in the Book of Common Prayer. It, it's, it's sort of like those questions. There's 17 pages of questions there in the Book of Common Prayer. Those of you who have been through confirmation or have been received from another tradition or into the Episcopal Church in some way have, have probably answered some of those questions. And, and that, that's sort of a Greek way of thinking about faith is to have a precise definition, words that will describe what faith is. We have to keep in mind, too, that Jesus was a Jewish man and a rabbi, a teacher. Jesus' take on faith is not necessarily a Western or Greek or logical uh, defined way of thinking about faith. Jesus does talk about belief and about truth, but much more often Jesus tells stories. Faith is like a man had, who had two sons. You know what I'm talking about? What story? Faith is like a farmer who went out to sow and he threw his seeds in the ground and some fell here and some fell there and some fell. Faith is like a man who sets out to build a house and digs deep into the ground to lay a solid foundation and when the rains come and the wind blows. Today, Jesus, the rabbi, tells his disciples, don't be afraid. The Father will give you the kingdom. Look to your heart. The treasure that you seek is there. Sell your possessions. Now, that's pretty pointed, isn't it? Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Faith is like servants who are waiting for their master to come home from a wedding banquet. Be dressed for action. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds alert, awake, ready when he comes back. There's a story that in the fifth century before Christ, when Prince Siddhartha Gautama, also known as the Buddha, started to wander all over India uh, shortly after his enlightenment experience, he, he encountered several men who met him on a road and, and who recognized him as, as a person who was, who was different and set apart and a, an extraordinary man. And they asked Prince Siddhartha, they said, are you a god? To which he replied, no, I'm not a god. And they asked, are you a reincarnation of a god? And he replied, no. Are you a wizard then, they asked him. No, again, he said. Well, are you a man? No, again. The questioners, they weren't quite sure where to go next with this. So what are you, they asked the prince. And the Buddha simply replied, I am awake. 
Buddha is not a proper name like Richard or, or Serena. It's, it's Sanskrit. Uh, it's, it means the awakened one. Being awake is virtually all he taught. And I'm thinking of Jesus' words today. Be alert. Be awake when the master comes. It might be a good way for us to think about faith, about being awake. You know, as I look back on my life, it is amazing to me how much of it I have simply slept through. Has this happened to you? Not literal sleep, but, you know, although, you know, I'm told we spend about a third of our lives sleeping, which is amazing in itself, but not physical sleep, but I mean just like plodding along with little awareness of what I'm doing, what I need to do, what is most important, so often missing the point. Not being grateful or even noticing those small graces and little miracles reacting to life instead of being awake and sensitive and prepared to embrace the beauty and the surprise and the adventure that it offers. Just being kind of groggling and stumbling through the days. You might say instead of mindfulness for me, it was like mindlessness for much of my life. I'm a, I'm a person in recovery. Some of you who have been to the midweek Eucharist have already talked about this, but I'm a person in recovery. I've been in recovery from addiction for many years. Uh, those of you who are also in recovery or have loved ones in recovery may be familiar with the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the 12th step speaks of having a spiritual awakening as a result of working the other 11 steps. In my own life, I've come to realize that spiritual awakenings are rarely sudden. They are rarely spectacular. They're, they are rarely upheavals. Those do happen. The truth is most awakenings develop slowly over a period of time. Persons who are addicted to a substance spend a lot of their life sleepwalking, getting caught up in a web of dependence, just wanting to be numb and check out. The genius of those 12 steps is, is that it challenges us, just as Jesus did, first of all, to wake up, to stay awake, and keep working those steps day after day after day. Not just to stay sober, but to, to be awake. Faith takes time, enlightenment, illumination, awakenings, maybe even conversion, if you will, takes time. Rarely are they spectacular or dramatic. We must be prepared to keep vigil and to wait. When I first became a Jesus follower at, at 14 years of age, I, I really wanted to have one of those juicy conversion stories, you know? Uh, but at 14, I hadn't done anything yet. <laughs> I was so jealous of those I was hanging out with. Uh, it was certainly, it was kind of the Jesus movement days, mid-70s, and I grew up in this small town in Pennsylvania, and, 
and uh, it, it took until 1975 for the hippies and the Jesus movement to, to get to my little town. Uh, so we were a little behind the curve, but I was so jealous of those people who had these, you know, conversion stories, dramatic, you know, almost like Paul with the, with the, the lightning bolt on the road to Damascus. But I was just a kid in middle school. I hadn't done anything much good or bad. My life hadn't even begun. I was sort of waiting for, keeping vigil, waiting for things to start. Awakenings take time. Faith takes time. It's hard work to wait. It's, it's really a spiritual discipline and a special kind of prayer. Now, this last couple of years, we've all been doing a lot of waiting, right? <laughs> waiting for quarantines to end, waiting for lockdowns to end, waiting for a vaccine to happen, waiting for, waiting for school to come back in session, waiting for church to come back, right? So perhaps we are better equipped now than ever to understand Jesus' words, to keep awake, stay alert, I believe we are now at the dawn and the master is at the door. Amen.